Hi, good evening. Can you all hear me? Yes. Good, excellent. So uh, the large meteorite impacts, which I normally study uh, at the uh, Department of Earth Sciences, are usually hundreds of millions of years old. So you know, there was something of a wow factor on February the 15th when I started to see some of the reports coming in uh, from Russia. And um, I'm sure you've all probably seen lots of these pictures already on the news. And um, my first sort of thoughts about this was, this is another Tunguska event after my initial sort of wow factor. And then I thought, ah, there's going to be some damage. And sure enough, shortly after the initial reports that there was this large meteor uh, appeared over the city of uh, Chelyabinsk, um, there were these reports of uh, structural damage, property damage, lots of windows blown in, and 1,200 um, um, sort of casualties, mostly from sort of broken glass. And looking back at what actually happened, I then thought, actually, they've got away really lightly. And I'll come on to that in a minute, but one of the, the key factors why I thought that was looking at the images of this meteor coming in through the atmosphere. It's actually, a, it's actually sort of, it's, it's passage through the atmosphere. It's at a very sort of shallow angle. It's about 15, 20 degrees from the horizontal. So a lot of the damage wasn't actually the meteorite itself. It was actually the... Uh, 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 the, the uh, shockwave from the explosion, which sort of managed, to, which uh, sort of travelled down to the Earth, blowing in all these uh, all these windows. So, what do we know about it? Well, so this meteor exploded something like about 23 kilometres above the surface of the Earth. It has an estimated diameter of about 17 metres. Uh, so, a lot of these figures are very sort of approximate. We don't know this for certain, but this is the sort of order of magnitude uh, for the uh, uh, dimensions. Uh, it would have been approaching at speeds of around about 38,000 miles per hour. And it turns out to be it's... Um, so some of the, the fragments have been recovered uh, from a place called uh, Chibakul, which is just a little bit further to the west of the um, city of, of, uh, of Anchelyabinsk. And uh, that's pretty much all that's left of it. So that the entire thing just exploded. There might be a few larger fragments at the bottom of a lake, but most of them, uh, or the fragments, are just centimetre-sized, perhaps dust as well. And it's of a type of meteorite called an ordinary chondrite. And so the picture in the middle here is a slice through another meteorite, uh, but it shows the internal structure very nicely. It's composed of these sort of uh, um, spherical, crystalline silicate materials, which we call chondrules, hence the name of a chondrite. And this type of meteorite is very common. Um, so about 70% of all the meteorites that fall upon the Earth are of this type of, of, of meteorite. It's also very old. It's one of the, perhaps, it certainly is the oldest material which you could physically hold. It's about 4.6 billion years old. And the approach of the meteorite came in from, from, the, uh, from the east, uh, approaching to the west. A lot of these numbers are the uh, estimated heights. Uh, the explosion just to the south of uh, Chelyabinsk and sort of landfall of what was left, just these sort of small fragments, uh, just a little bit further to the west again. So a day later, and this was just by coincidence, there was another approach, very close approach, 
by uh, a small asteroid about 50 meters in diameter called 2012 DA14. There was some speculation that these two events were actually connected. But this turns out not to be true, and we know this because their orbits are very different. So the uh, Chelyabinsk meteor uh, had this sort of um, east-west uh, path uh, um, trajectory, whereas uh, the asteroid 2012 DA14 was going south to north. And if they were related, you'd at least expect them to be on a parallel orbit. So it was actually entirely coincidental that these two events occurred within the space of about 24 hours. Nevertheless, it was quite exciting for 2012 DA14 because that made a close approach, 27,000 uh, kilometers, which is really close, inside the orbit of the moon, indeed inside the orbit of a lot of geostationary satellites. Uh, but going back to the uh, Chelyabinsk meteor, um, orbital calculations appear to indicate that it was um, on a sort of a two-year orbit, probably in that orbit for millions of years, um, extends right out beyond the orbit of Mars uh, into the asteroid belt. So it's just um, uh, um, an ordinary sort of asteroid that uh, got um, transferred into this orbit slightly closer to, uh, to the Earth and... Unfortunately, on 15th, or at least unfortunately for the meteor, on the 15th of February, it happened to intersect the orbit of the Earth, as these objects do from time to time. So, I mentioned earlier on that my first thoughts was this was another Tunguska. So, it might be worthwhile just going back, looking at these sort of events that have occurred over the last 100 years or so. So, Tunguska, 30th of June 1908, deep in Siberia, just where that little sort of yellow star is, uh, in a very remote place. And indeed, it wasn't until some 20 years after this event that the first science expeditions were, um, were sent there. And in particular, uh, this group um, in here, whose um, leader is the chap with the sort of beard and the spectacles, Leonid uh, Kulik, who led the first expedition there some 20 years later, 1929. So, and uh, they sort of traveled there sort of pretty much on, on horseback, and what they found absolutely stunned them because uh, over mile after mile of just sort of devastated forest, and the curious thing about the devastation in the forest was that all these trees were all sort of aligned. They all had sort of parallel sort of passage. Uh, um, 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 each, each sort of tree trunk, which had been sort of somehow sort of toppled, was all sort of parallel. It wasn't quite parallel, so they did a lot of mapping, and this, this is a map of the of the um, orientation of these tree trunks, they found that there's a very sort of radial pattern. And unfortunately, there isn't a scale on this particular diagram, but um, it's about uh, 60 kilometers sort of north to south in that sort of area. And they also critically took some eyewitness reports as well. So even though this is 20 years later, uh, they sort of went around all the various local villages and uh, just asked people what they saw. And one of the, the um, sort of key points that, um, that these eyewitnesses uh, all sort of stated was that there was, wasn't much of a vapor trail. It was a very short vapor trail. They all said, uh, reported this sort of big explosion uh, in the atmosphere, felt this sort of big sort of blast wave, again, this sort of shock wave from the explosion. Um, and uh, there was also a little bit of sort of a burning sensation as well from the sort of thermal radiation from the explosion. And so later estimates... Um, put the explosion which occurred about eight kilometers above the surface. So a lot closer to the surface than um, Chelyabinsk. 
but it was also probably much larger, so estimated diameter of about 50 to 100 meters in, in, in diameter, which is sort of quite a large um, sub-asteroid. So have there been any other events? Well, yes. So uh, the Amazon rainforest, 13th of August, 1930, not very much is known about this event. But I have to admit, I really like this sort of newspaper report uh, with these sort of big, sort of bold headlines, menace of meteors like huge bombs from space, hurricanes of flame, blazing bolts, fire forests. Um, unfortunately, uh, this is somewhat exaggerated, so this newspaper report was actually printed in 1931, one year later. And uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, or rather, um, so nothing much has changed in terms of, sort of newspaper reporting. A lot of these uh, reports are actually um, exaggerated. Uh, so the only report that did actually make it out um, uh, from, this, uh, from the sort of eyewitnesses who actually witnessed this event were from a uh, Catholic missionary who sent a report back to the Vatican. And what he actually reported was that there was, had been an explosion in the sky. There's quite a bit of sort of panic amongst the local population. And there, there was sort of rain of very sort of fine sort of stones as well and maybe a few trees which were blown over, but certainly no mention of any forest fires, and perhaps not quite as large as the Tunguska event. But reports after that often refer to this event as the, the uh, Brazilian Tunguska. But nevertheless, it seems as if it's a very sort of similar event. So a large meteor coming in through the atmosphere and exploding before it hits the ground. Although... Um, the actual science, science expedition that um, went to, to investigate this uh, about, it would, would have been decades afterwards, did find some small pits. So there's a possibility that uh, this meteor might have actually made landfall, but there's no um, positive correlation that these pits were actually related to the meteor. Any other events? Well, yes, a bit more recently, Peru, 15th of September 2007, this one actually did make landfall, and it left a crater about 14 meters in diameter. And curiously enough, this was thought to have been created by quite a small asteroid of only about two meters in diameter. There was also another curiosity about this as well, because at first it was thought it was an iron meteorite, which are a bit stronger, and generally tend not to break up in the atmosphere, and hence uh, sort of make um, these uh, actual landfall and to produce a crater. But later investigation found that this was also an ordinary chondrite. But it must have been, uh, had a slightly sort of higher sort of strength to actually make it all the way through to the atmosphere. There may also have been another reason why it did and why it didn't break up. So normally, this type of, uh, these type of stony meteorites, the chondrites, anything smaller than about one kilometer in diameter will start to fragment because of the pressure buildup as they, as they, as they, um, as they sort of start to pass through the atmosphere. Uh, but later estimates put this, um, this asteroid as entering the atmosphere at a very steep angle, about 60 degrees. So if we put all that together, and why I, I think the people of um, Chelyabinsk have actually been quite lucky, is that um, the sort of shallower the angle uh, as it approaches the Earth through the atmosphere, so the angle of approach, means that... Um, uh, it sort of hits more atmosphere uh, before it actually sort of manages to uh, hit the Earth. Or rather, it sees more of the atmosphere. Um, whereas 
an object on a very sort of steep approach will actually travel much further through the atmosphere before that pressure builds up. Remember, these objects are traveling at about 38,000 miles per hour. And so it's almost, uh, as it enters the atmosphere, it just sort of, it takes that just a little bit sort of uh, amount of time before it actually sees the effect of that atmosphere. And it's, it, the atmosphere acts as a very good sort of break, a sort of shock absorber as this object sort of plows through it. So there seems to be a, um, uh, a certain connection, a sort of correlation between the angle that these objects approach and uh, hence the sort of the length of their sort of vapor trail that they leave. So remember the object at Tunguska left all of eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses reports say that it left a very sort of short vapor trail indicating that from their perspective it was probably coming in sort of quite steep. And estimates put the Tunguska event around about 40 degrees. Uh, whereas the Prue event coming in very steep, 60 degree angle, manages to make it all the way down through the Earth. So on my last slide, it's a very sort of short talk, but um, I'd just like to leave this sort of question with you. So the Chelyabinsk meteor has been described as a once in a 100 year event. But actually, I would argue that with a lot of the other events as well, if you add all those in together, it's perhaps more like a once in a 25 year event. And something which I haven't talked about is the great day daylight fireball meteor of 1972. So this, again, was a very sort of lucky escape where this meteor didn't actually make contact, it didn't break up in the atmosphere, it just sort of skimmed the atmosphere going approximately south to north on the western side of North America. So it was witnessed both in California and all the way up into Canada. What that seems to have done is it just sort of bounced off the atmosphere. We don't know how big that object was, but it was, as I said, it was visible uh, for a long time in broad daylight. So uh, with that, I'll just leave you with that sort of question and um, sort of keep watching the skies.